good to see you. God bless you. Before we stop our clap roll, can we welcome Plant City and South Shore? Give them a big hand. God bless you as our campuses. Amen. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the grace to hear you and see you change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. We're in a series called Larger Than Likes. Larger Than Likes today, we're going to talk about the spirit man and the soul man. Spirit man is greater than the soul man. Spirit man is greater. And so as we begin today, I want to give you the kind of the, the bumper sticker of the message, okay? God is greater, right? Can you see the sign in your head? God is greater. He's greater than our name. He's greater than our nature, and he's greater than our nurture. He's greater than all three of those things. And so we all grow up with a given name. We've got a, oh, it's our given name, you know, whatever your name is. Hope you love your name, by the way. That's awesome. But God has a name for you. It's a secret name um, that he wants to download to you, and he wants you to live out of the identity of the name that he has for you. Um, and we're glad for our given names, but it's a blessing to live out of our God name. Our God name. He's got one for you. I'm going to tell you how to get there. I'll, tell, I'll show you the scripture at the end of the uh, sermon today, the, the service today, okay? He's greater than our nature. He's greater than our nature. And, you know, we're, we, some of this life we didn't have any control over, right? We just, just everybody, you know what I'm talking about? We're just, we're just born. We're just, bloop. We're born. We're born a little, little light, a little darker, a little darker. We're, we're just born. Some of us are born bigger. Some of us are born smaller, right? But it's all relative, isn't it, church? Like I, I, so in America, I'm an average kind of ish, bigger ish kind of guy. But if I was in the Samoan Islands, I'd be the little dude. If I was in Japan, I'm a giant dude. Are you with me? Yeah, some of you was like, "Watch out!" I'll let you know. It, some, so what we're born with, with our giftings, our intellect and all that kind of stuff, it, some of it is just, it is what it is. And, and then your personality, your personality, your little, isn't it amazing that your little people grow? You see them when they're this, you know, I don't know how big little, you know, they're little. And then they grow up and you see the same little personality that you see before they could speak. You know what I'm talking about? You're just born with some stuff. My mom said that uh, um, I would take my walker. You know, you put a little kid in a walker, and usually they just, you know, play around in the walker. She said, I would pick the walker up and run across the kitchen floor and run into the, the wall. It's actually a brick wall. <laughs> Synonymous with my life. <laughs> right? It's a medic, you know, help this kid. Right? You've got, so you were, you were born with some stuff. You were just, you're just born some distinctions. There's some things that are there. And then also your nurture, what, how your home was. And I really, I really feel like nurture is almost greater than, I really, I believe I could prove the case in America. Nurture and how you were raised really is even larger than your nature and your name. Can I get an amen? amen. It really is a big deal. How, how you're raised and who taught you and what, you know, what values and mores and all those things in some people's homes, education. And I pray that education is a big deal. That it, and for some of you, it was too big a deal. Like it came with so much pressure. And if you, you know, in your home, if you made anything less than an A or an A plus, you know, really you struggled a lot. There's, there's, a, there's a bell-shaped curve with this kind of stuff, you know. Some of you graduated, you know, summa cum laude or magna cum laude. I, I graduated, whew, thank you, laude. I'm just, you know, I'm playing. I learned, I learned, I learned the game. I learned how to play the game. I, I, uh, 
early childhood, they learned that I had dyslexia. And man, I, if you're brand new to the crossing, I can chase some rabbits and so on. And I had to retrain my brain and I had to learn how to learn. Right, church? I had to, I had to learn. It just all comes with, with your package and what it looks like. And, and, but God is greater than your game. God is greater than what you've learned. God is greater than what you've been taught. God is greater than your personality. God is greater than your training. God is greater than your surname or your given name. He's given you a new name. God's given you a new name. And God wants you to live out of the person that he sees on the inside of you. You ever feel like just there's, a, there's somebody inside of you that's greater than the person you're living right now? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? There's, there's more for you. There's more in you than just the circumstance or the scenario that you're living in right now. There's just, there's another, there's more of you in there. Everybody got that going on? There's, a, there's this, there's this stuff inside of you. And God wants to graduate you and re, give you a rebirth. And he wants to renew you and refresh you. There's, there's more of you on the inside in there. There really is more. And so I want a little case study here today with a man named Jacob. All right. Turn your Bibles with me to Genesis 25, Genesis 25. And Jacob is a twin son, all right, to Isaac and Rebekah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarch. And I want you to see how the scripture outlines he and his twin brother Esau. And so I want to do this. I want to talk about Jacob's name, and I want to talk about his nature, and then I want to talk about his nurture, how he grew up. And then what I'm doing is I'm trying to set up the fact that God isn't just satisfied with our name and our nature and our nurture. He's greater than our name and our nature and our nurture. And so we're coming to the place where we would say, yeah, that's who I have believed I am all of my life, but God has something greater for me today. Genesis 25, 24. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out and he was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. He was a red little hairy dude. His name was Esau. All right. That's just how, that's just how he came out. 26. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so his name was Jacob. So etymology means the, what something means, what a name means, was a huge deal in antiquity. And so when you named your child, what you were naming was their character, or their personality, or what they were going to be like. It's not so much like that anymore, but Jacob means supplanter. It means grabber. It means trickster. Um, it means someone who is um, very crafty. All that is in the, in the name Jacob, okay? And of course, Esau uh, means red, hairy, little dude who turned into a big dude. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them and the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. Again, personality and you see their likes and dislikes. And Jacob was a quiet man staying home among the tents. He was doing online trading and uh, market analysis, Okay. <laughs> 28, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And if you're taking notes, you could just asterisk that scripture right there and say, problems are about to occur because there's favoritism. And that's a tough thing when you're growing up at home and there's favoritism in the home. And number two, his nature. So Esau was an outdoorsman. He was a hunter, um, you know. If it was today, he may have had his own outdoor YouTube channel. He, he was a successful guy. He was, he was very entrepreneurial. He was blessed himself. He's the firstborn son. But Jacob was kind of like the plainsman tycoon. Jacob was a guy who was very savvy. He was very wise. He was very crafty. He was very tricky. 
And so he could come behind somebody's business and replicate their business or double their business or triple their business and then turn around and buy their business from them. He was that kind of guy. He was that kind of business tycoon, real smooth, real slick, um, had a lot going on for him. And so um, you got a guy who hunts big game and you got a guy who runs big game. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody with me? Okay, number three, his, his nurture. And so right from the time when Jacob was born, as he came out, he's grabbing his brother's heel. But his mother, Rebecca, um, was crafty herself. She had that kind of crafty lineage, and she was, you know, really pushing in. And so some of you came from a household where you say, if there's an opportunity, whatever the opportunity is, just take it. And then figure it out after. You know what I mean? Figure it out afterwards, whatever the repercussions are. And, and that was kind of how it was in this family. And so the two times this brother, this younger brother, stole his older brother's honor. Two times. First, he took his blessing. He took his blessing. And in taking his blessing, he took it for a bowl of soup. He just, he snatched from him his family birthright. He waited until Esau was really hungry, came in from hunting, and he had very smooth talking. And so he traded him uh, for a bowl of soup. But Esau didn't, I mean, the Bible goes on and does say that Esau knew what he was doing. God's got a lot to say about an Esau and a Jacob. The point is, is that he tricked his brother and took his birthright. Second thing he did is he took his patriarchal blessing. And so one was a spiritual blessing. The other one was a, a physical blessing for manifestation on the earth where you have power and dominion to gain resources and make money that was supposed to go to the firstborn. He tricked, so this time, he and Rebekah took a goat. They killed the goat. They dressed Jacob around his neck and his hands with fur. He went into his father who was ailing and old, and he was, he was supposed to bless Esau. But when Jacob went in, he could he discern, I don't know. He asked him several times, is this Esau? And then he said, draw close to me, son. So they had interpreted this whole thing. He gets close to him, feels the fur on his hands and his neck, and he thinks, this is the hairy, this is my hairy son. This is the hairy red one. I'm going to bless him. And instead he blesses um, Jacob. All right? So a lot of trickery, right? A lot of, how many of you have been deceived by a family member? Okay. If your family member's here, don't raise your hand. So, yep, they tricked me. Yeah, it's been brutal. This, this stuff hurts. Stuff really, stuff is really long lasting. I mean, it'll get in there and hurt you pretty, pretty good. It'll get in there and get underneath your skin. Esau was not a happy camper. He was an older teen and he wanted to kill his brother. I mean, it's just, it was a big, cannot stress to you how big of a deal these two things were to Esau. But Rebecca had a plan again, and she sent him, she sent Jacob. She said, Jacob, get out of here. Your brother's going to kill you. I want you to go 300 miles north to Padamaram, and I want you to go lodge with my brother, his uncle. What, was, what started to occur in the message, though, is we're starting to, to understand this thing about Jacob, is that Laban, his uncle, was just as tricky and crafty and sly and smooth. He was as much of a taker as Jacob was. So over the next 15 years, they just traded stealing from each other and trading from each other and tricking each other and so on. So these years later now, Jacob's family is enormous. He has uh, two wives and two maidservants. How much pain can a man add in his life? Can you imagine four wives? Oh, Lord Jesus. Right? Come on now. Every man and woman say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, it's a fire. That's crazy. 
Isn't it enough to just, isn't it enough in marriage, just a man and a woman? Is that enough? Can you imagine the complications? Wow, that's a whole nother sermon. That's a whole nother sermon. He has 11 kids. He has thousands of herds and flocks and sheep and goats and cattle and all these things. He has 50 additional servants. So there's several hundred people now that he's grown. God just, whoop, he just grew them. And it's too much for Laban. So they pack up and they go south. All right. And they're heading south. They're on the east side of the Jordan River. If you're familiar with Israel, they're on the east side of the Jordan. They're going south and they want to cut over to the right. They're going to, they're going to go, right? They're going to go west and cross the Jordan and go to Canaan. And just, just to make things interesting, Rebecca, one of the daughters to Laban, just before they leave, she goes in and steals her father's household idols. These are irreplaceable family heirlooms. Uh, you cannot replace them with money. And so they're fighting for 15 years. Things are not going well. They pack up to leave. They're several days journey away. And Laban finds out that he's been stolen from again. Laban gets angry, loads up his men, and he's now chasing Jacob and his family south. Jacob and his family get to a river tributary that's connected to the Jordan, and they stop there. They have to for a little while. He gets news that same day that his brother Esau, who again, remember, he cheated his brother 20 years ago, how many of you know stuff catches up with you? It's going to catch up with you. 20 years later, his brother had become Edom. And Edom was south and heard that Jacob was coming south. And so now Esau and 400 men, he marshaled 400 men. That's a mad, hairy, red dude. He's angry. He's riding north now to intercept Jacob. So he's got his father-in-law angry at him coming north. He's got his brother who's angry at him coming south. They're at the river Jabbok. And he begins to, so he comes up with a plan because he's a crafty businessman. So he takes herds and sheep and goats and all these things. And he separates his servants and he sends them out uh, to uh, Esau. And he says to them, uh, to this guy with all these animals, I want you to take this gift and take these gifts and take this gift. And when you see Esau, I want you to bow down and say, Lord, my master, this is a gift from Jacob, right? He's trying to buy him out. Go, go, you guys go, you guys go, you guys go. So he sends all of his servants and all of his goods. And then he sends Leah and his servants. And then he sends Rachel and, and, and his kids. And so you, you got to go through the detail of the story. All of his goods are across the river. He swims across the river. And for some reason, the Bible doesn't say. Some commentators say that he left one item. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really get too much into it in the Bible. Jacob swims back across the river and he's left alone on the backside of the Jabbok River. And so here's what I want to say to you. It's only when we get alone and all of our earthly goods sometimes are strung out and when we feel like, okay, this is it. It's, it's my marriage or my finances or my business or whatever it is. I'm now alone. I'm alone and it's dark. And there's a simile here to him tricking his father in the dark. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Years earlier, he went in and tricked his father. And here's, here's, here's just what I want to say to you. Everything that you've done your whole life, he was tricking his father. The trickster has now been tricked. The, the dupster is now being duped. The grabber, come on, are you with me? The grabber is now being grabbed. But this time it's by God Almighty. And God visits him in the dark of the night and he wrestles with a man who is really an angel. Here we go, Genesis 32. Then Jacob was left alone. 
And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. He touched the outside of his hip all the way to his groin. And the socket of Jacob's hip joint, was, he was, as he wrestled with him, it was dislodged. It was put out at a joint. Here's what I want you to know. God is stronger than you are. So all this time, your whole life, you know, you run, you're doing things, and you're like, God didn't see that. God didn't see that. God, God sees everything. And so you've taken advantage your whole life. Now God's taking advantage. God catches up with us. And he, has, he wants to confront our counterfeit. He doesn't want to kill us. He wants to confront our counterfeit. And he said, let me go for the day is breaking. This is the angel. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's determined. He's been a hard worker his whole life, 27. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And when he said Jacob, he was admitting to God, I'm the trickster. I'm the supplanter. I'm the heel grabber. I'm the one, I'm the conniver. And that's what God wants from you and he wants from me, an identification of reconciliation of who he sees. I want to know, not, I don't want to see, so here's what we do to each other. Look at my Facebook page. This is who I am. Like, 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 ding, 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 ding. But do you know that God has a Facebook page in heaven too, right? He's got his own stuff. And what's liked down here isn't necessarily liked up there. Do you know, come on church, you know what I mean? What's like down here, what success means down here means no significance to God upstairs. It doesn't necessarily mean the same. So we can mess around and fool our friends and we can fool Facebook and we can fool society. We can even fool ourselves. But you can't trick God. God knows, God knows who you are and where you've been, what you do, what you don't do. And so when Jacob said... I am Jacob. He was admitting to God, reconciling. Reconciliation means God has an account and you have an account and those accounts match. He was reconciling himself to God. This is really who I, who I am. I'm a runner. I'm afraid, angry, desperate. I am. And you have a given name. Hey, you got a God name. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob. Come on. Come on, can we thank God for that just for a second? Can we thank God? I'm serious. Revelation said God has given you a name that trumps your given name. God has given you a name to live out of that is greater than the name that you got when you were born. And he says, you're Israel. You're Israel. You're not Jacob anymore. You're Israel. I'm renaming you. Because I'm not just renaming you. I'm telling you that I'm changing your nature and I can retrain your nurture. I'm changing everything about you right now. Your name is Israel, for you struggled with God and men and prevailed. And Jacob asked, telling me, what is your name, I pray? And he said, why is it that you ask my name? So here's a picture of him wrestling with an angel. He actually wrestled with the pre-existent or the pre-revealed Jesus. This is a Christophany. That means that he is wrestling with somebody. He is, so he's taken all of his life, but he can't take from him. He's tricked all of his life, but he can't trick him. He's, he's overpowered everybody in his life. He can't overpower him. You get the picture? It's God. God's here in the middle of this wrestling match. And Jacob asked, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you asked my name? And he blessed him there. The blessing is, is that the spirit man overpowers the soul man. That's the blessing. I'm blessing you here. And Jacob called the name Paniel. 
for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. God is greater. He's greater than your name and your nature and he's greater than your nurture, how you were brought up, how you were brought up. And so I want to just jump in here and I want to talk about nature and nurture first and then I want to end talking about your name, okay? I'm going to go quickly in summary form. Nature, your nature. You have a nature, I have a nature. We we grow up with this thing. We come out with it. But here's what I want you to know. It's not what you look like. God doesn't care about how you come out. God cares about how you turn out. God cares about how how you turn out. And he wants to know, just, just think about this for just a second, today, right here, right now. So you're wrestling with God and you're trying to wrestle your life. I want to wrestle this thing out. I want to, whatever it is to be happy, I would like that. Whatever it is to be influential, I would like that. Whatever it is to be successful, I would like that. Whatever it is, whatever it is to get peace. Come on, can I amen for peace? Whatever it means for peace, I would like that. So we're wrestling this thing out. We're, we're trying to wrestle it out. Meanwhile, God is following us since before we were born. He knows your name and he knows that you have a heavenly name and he sees you living out this life in good and bad trials and difficulties, brokenness and wholeness, all these things. And what he wants to do is intercept you inside of your life so that you can live out of the person who he knows is inside of you. That's the superhero you. That's that's the upgraded version of you, the God you. But, you, but when he intercepts you alone, broken, on the other side of the river, alone, by yourself, in the dark, his question to you and his question to me is, what is your name? In other words, will you admit to me where you are? And if you can admit to me where you are, then I will download you, I will transpire to you the Holy Spirit who can upgrade everything in your life, not just your name, but your nature and your nurture as well. Scripture says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, and this is, this is salvation and post-salvation, I'll say there is a salvation experience, and then there's an after-salvation experience where we chase God and we just say to him, I'm not going to live like I used to live. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to talk or walk or act. Or I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit in, in a way that overshadows me. He says, anyone who's in Christ is a new creature, a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Say all things. Just say all things. Would it be cool if everything in your life God flipped and started making it new? Would that be cool? Yeah, I mean, your relationships, how you think, how you feel, how you walk, how you talk, how you feel about your relationships, how you feel about uh, who you are, how you feel about your destiny, your confidence in God, how you walk in your faith, what it means to be you, to be comfortable in your own skin, so on and so on and so on. It's just everything, everything. He wants to download everything. The nurture part, number two. What your spirit, what the spirit of God is doing right now is greater than what your soul has always done for the, for, for the whole of your life. Your soul has done this and this and this. What the spirit's doing is greater than all of that. It's doing it, he's doing it right now. And so I'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound a little weird. It's a little tongue in cheek and, and I'm joking a little bit. I just want you to just set your mind with me. It doesn't matter if you were raised by Satan himself or Satan's mother for that matter. So, Think about that. Think about the home you were in, how you were nurtured, and show them all that stuff. God knows every one of your hurts. He knows all of your habits. He knows your hangups. And when you relent, when the spirit man takes control over the soul man, 
God says, I will recreate in you the ability to understand so that you don't act like that anymore. I'm going to update your system. I'm gonna, it's, like, it's like changing out your hard drive. I'm going to give you a new hard drive. I'm going to reboot your system, and I'll retrain you how to live out of the, your new identity if you'll just walk with me. Okay. There's a piece of scripture here, and the scripture is, is there's some tough words in the scripture. Um, and so I want you to just, here's what, I'm not trying to shame or condemn. You need to know this, because shame and condemnation mean I want you to feel like you're bad, and I want you to leave worse than you came in. That's terrible. That's the devil's work. I, I want you to be, I want you to have transparency, and I want you to recognize this. This is for, for recognizing. This isn't for shame. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, push my finger in your chest and say you're terrible. There's some tough words in the scripture, but I want you to get it. Everybody with me? I really want you to get this. Okay, here we go. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Fornicators, you know, have trouble going. That means sex before marriage. Idolaters means people who are only there about themselves. That's where idolatry starts. I'm just going to please me. Nor adulterers, cheating on each other when you're married nor homosexuals, that means other than heterosexual, nor sodomites, that means sexuality that's connected to homosexuality, nor thieves, taking things that are not yours, nor covets. And coveting means that you don't have enough hands. I just want more and more and more and more. Nor drunkards, we know what that means. Revilers means people that cut with their tongue. They cut on Facebook. They cut. They just, they just can't wait to revile and to shame out loud. Nor extortioners people who set up groups so that they could take advantage of them. Listen to me. We'll inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to see this on the scripture, okay? Go to the next one, and I want you to read this with me. Say it with me. And, come on, and such were some of you. I'm raising my hand. I'm raising my hand. And such were some of you. But listen, but listen to me. When God catches up with you on the backside of the Jabbok River, and you're finally naked and afraid. Some of you are giggling. I watch a show. I do, I do. Don't judge me. When you're finally there and you're stripped down and it's you and God and God takes your soul, man, to the woodshed. Anybody, everybody know what I'm talking about when I say take him to the woodshed? Raise your hand if you, just, and I'm really being serious. Raise your hand if you don't know what I mean by taking to the woodshed. If you come from any kind of country background at all, you know, woodshed. I'm going to the woodshed. Oh, God. Raise your hand if you don't know what I mean, woodshed. Raise your hand. Okay. That means that your spirit man kicks your soul man's booty. Translation? We good? Everybody good now? Okay. When that finally occurs, come on, church, man, come on. When that finally occurs, we're left clinging to God, saying, God, I trust you and I thank you for washing me and cleaning me and forgiving me, and I thank you that I come out of this struggle whole now. It says that we're washed. You can't wash off sin in the shower. I remember living in a way that I felt dirty 
I felt dirty. I just, I knew, I, I mean, I tried my best. Like, no, that's cool, but I felt dirty. No, that's awesome. Sin is fun, y'all. But it's dirty. Sin, there's nobody in the world that can say sin is not fun. But sin will wreck your life. And you can't wash it off in the shower. You can cry. You can try to wash it off in the shower. What you need is blood to wash it off. And it's the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world, that washes sin clean. It says you were sanctified, you were set apart for God. Your brother and your mother and your sister and your father and all of your family heritage, they did this and they did this and they did this and they did this and you did this and you did this and you did this and then you have this encounter with God and in the encounter you come out and God says, and it stops with you. It stops with you. It's not going forward. Your children are not going to have what's been in your heritage. I am, my, I am God, and I'm greater than the name that you were given, and I'm greater than the nature that you've incurred. You were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified. The gavel has come down, and God doesn't say guilty. God says free indeed. And then lastly, your name. Your, your name. God changed Jacob's name. Jacob, the name Jacob actually means to fight with God. The name Israel means God fights for me. I'll take that trade all day. Um, I'll take that trade up. And God touched him in his hip to his groin. God had to break a man to birth a nation. Because out of his loins, out of Jacob's loins, he had 12 sons. Though 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel, and Israel is a nation today through the lineage of Jacob. And that night, Jacob didn't know that God was trying to birth an entire nation out of his birth line. He didn't know that. He was the patriarchal son, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And out of Israel, here's why this matters, out of Israel came Messiah, the reconciler. The ultimate God-man, the spirit-man winner. Wow. Revelation, I want to talk to you about your name. Here we go. And he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 2.17. To him who overcomes. How many overcomers do we have in the house today? Come on. Okay, listen. If, if you're tired... If you're, if you're, it's, I'm not real. I'm trying. I'm not trying to. I'm going to ask you to clap as a means of faith. Don't, don't like. Oh, that's so good. You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not. You know, Hercules, Hercules. I'm not trying. I'm not trying. I want you to clap. You are an overcomer. Come on. You are an overcomer. You are an overcomer. You're not trying to become an overcomer. You are an overcomer. If you have Jesus, you have the overcome ability. We're not playing games anymore. You have him. And your soul man has been laid down. 
And your new man is raised up. And so this word in Revelation means to overcome, means to insist on living in the authority of the, the spirit man over the soul man in your life. How many of you, uh, how many of you fall to the temptation of Krispy Kreme when the hot light flashes? Come on, in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, I used to, we moved here 20 plus years ago and when, and they didn't have Krispy Kreme in the Midwest. It came from Oklahoma and then had seminary and master's degree in Texas. And we came here and man, they would turn that hot light on and I would wreck trying to get in there. I mean, it was, it was, I, I mean, I'm sure I'm seriously telling you that when it turned and I wouldn't just go get a donut, they're hot. I, I'd eat a box of donuts. I mean, if I'm going, I'm going big. I'm going in. So, but, but here's the deal. <laughs> I've been delivered. I don't, the light can come on. I drive by it now. And so here's what overcoming means. That you overcome the flashing lights, not just the Krispy Kreme donuts, but of your sex life. And that light's flashing. Horns. This is who you're supposed to be. This is what you've always done. And you say, I have the power of God living inside of me, and that sign means nothing to me. It's overcoming the flashing lights of your character flaws. I'm an angry person. I'm a bewildered person. I'm a weak person. I'm an ashamed person. I am a broken, I I am an person of inaction. And you can look at that stuff and say, I am not who I was because I am in Jesus. I am an overcomer. And if you overcome, God says he'll give you three things. He'll give you manna. And manna feeds. How many of you are foodies? I love some food. I just love the taste, the texture, the smell, the whole thing. God says, I've got something greater than all that. I've got manna for your, your spirit. You know that you can, you can eat and 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 eat. And I know this full well. I'm, I perfectly understand this paradigm. You can eat but not be satisfied. But you can break yourself of satisfaction by denying your body food. You can fast and pray and be and your body be crying for food but be more satisfied in the spirit than any meal you could ever eat that's what god says i'll give you manna for the spirit man when you overcome i'll give you manna so that you not just survive you're not just going to survive some people are like i'm going to fast you i'm not i'm going to die no you're not going to die you're going to live I won't make it. Yes, you will make it. And you'll do a backflip when you get there. He'll give you manna. He'll give you a white stone. In antiquity, a white stone means that you're paid in full. A black stone means you're convicted. You'll get a white stone, and on that stone will be your new name. And I'm not telling you to wait to eternity. I'm telling you to ask God for your new name right here, right now, today. You ask God for your new name. And on that stone, when he hands you the stone, you'll see the name in prayer. You'll see the name. And the name, will, you will immediately recognize the name because it's representative of your whole life struggle. You'll know exactly who God is talking about, you. Not the old you, 
The today you, the updated you, the new you, the real you, the heavenly you, the spirit-filled you, the you that he's talking about. God's greater. He's greater than your name. He's got a new name for you. He's greater than your nature. How He's greater than your nurture and how you were raised. He's greater than all of them. Man, I could keep preaching for another hour. Um, some of you are like, no, thank you. Krispy Kreme. Um, pray with me. Pray with me. Here we go. Lord Jesus, would you slip your, so if you want God to change, if you want to know your new name, live out of your new identity, would you slip your hand up today? Slip your hand up for me all over the house. Father, it's just an act of faith. That's it. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, it's just an act of, it's an action attached to your faith. Father, in Jesus' name, download to us right now. Do whatever you want to do. Call us into our prayer time in our closet. Download to us right now. I pray for the exchange. And I pray that thousands of people in our church would recognize their new name and live out of that name. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you would, sit up nice and tall. You don't have to yell, but join me. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, today's a day. I surrender. I know I have sin. I lay it down. I take up your grace by faith in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you pray in that prayer for the very first time, for the very first time, significance has come. You said, I really want Jesus to be my Lord. Today on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up and hold it up for us for just a second, okay? Because we just want to bring you a card. So if you slip and then go down, we won't make it to you. On the count of three, I'm making Jesus my Lord. One, two, three. Raise your hand for us. Raise your hand for us, nice and tall, wherever you are. Slip your hand up for us. I see you. I see you, friends. I see you. I see you. Others, come on. I see you. Come on, others. Others today. I see you. Others today. Slip them up nice and tall. Come on, don't, 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 let, the, don't let the enemy steal this from you. Slip your hand up saying, I, today's the day. I see you. I see you. Awesome. Who else? Come on, go ahead, go ahead and... Give up so God can get you up. Anybody else? Anybody else? Look up here with me just a second. Look up here for a second. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? So eyes open, everybody's looking. Anybody else wanted to say, I'm, I'm giving up, and I'm giving up for the right thing. I'm giving up my old life. I want Jesus for the first time. Anybody else? Where are you at? I see you. Come on, who else? Come on, are you, are you in the struggle? Are you raising? I'm waiting on you. Anybody? I'm not going to stay here for very much long. Anybody else? Come on. Come on, man. All right, let's thank God. Let's stand together. Why don't we stand? I'm going to ask you. So we're, the reason why we're standing is for access to the altar to come this way. Service is just about done, okay? Hang with us just a second. We're going to worship for just a moment. Pastor Jeremy is going to come. And, uh, and dismiss you. God bless you. Love you. Thank you. Awesome. Good to see you. Uh, uh, uh. See you next time. Uh.